In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Remove him from office. No justice, no peace. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut Who is up, man? Listen. Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. And if this is your first time tuning in, the Betches Sup Podcast is your daily rundown of all the craziest shit going on in the news brought to you by your two funniest, well-informed friends. Which is us. That was a really direct... There's, oh, I'm Sammy Sage. What? The way you said your name was a little like reluctantly. Oh, did I? I think oh, I was. No. Oh, I thought. I think I was just gazing at my sandwich and thinking about what I was going to say next. I liked it. It was a real Friday delivery. Well, honestly, our Friday episodes are the highlight of my life oh, um, these me days. Too. <laughs> yeah, there was so much news today. It did, the news didn't get the memo that it's Friday. So much for chill Friday episode. And look, we have Bruce here trying to get up. Aww. Trying to get at the sandwich. I always give Morty an ultimatum. I'm like, if you're going to be here at noon, then you're going to be here for an hour. So it's up to you, man, what you're going to do. Right. And, and sometimes he does just leave. <laughs> he gets up and leaves. <laughs> Bruce is just going to sit here and stare up at me for – Yeah. Yeah. Well, Morty is still homebound. He's not allowed to like go on walks or anything, but he's almost totally recovered. So he's just a maniac. He's just oh, a monster. Good. Bouncing off the walls. Yeah, it's cute. It's like having like an, an insane, adorable cat. <laughs> like I don't have to take him out. He just – hangs around and is cute and naps. <laughs> well, I'm glad he's okay. Yes, we're all very, very glad. I talked to several listeners like specifically about IVDD, this affliction, and got some really nice insights and support. So thank you. Thank you, Trina. We talked about it a lot. <laughs> so today we're going to go through an extreme like peak 2020 a spattering of headlines. And then we'll be joined by Shaniqua McClendon, the political director at Crooked Media, to talk about the Georgia runoffs and how you guys can get involved. The question I've heard the most since uh, November 3rd is what can I do to help with the runoffs? And so she's, I usually just direct people there. So we'll remove the barrier and she's going to come on and tell you exactly how you can optimize your efforts. Also, we are still doing a sale in the SUP shop. You can get 20% off your order with the code BYDON, B-Y-E-D-O-N. Lots of cute stuff. And the Flip the Senate stuff is still 20% is going to Fair Fight. Also, this is a secret code. You can't, you're not getting it if you're just a casual Instagram follower. This code is only for listeners of, of the podcast and recipients of the email. So exactly. you should consider yourself part of an exclusive club that you right. now know this code. Exactly. This is this is just for you. We're not doing like this for the everybody. 1%. <laughs> Definitely of the one percent. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the news. Yesterday, the FDA's advisory panel recommended approving the COVID nineteen vaccine for emergency use. This means this basically clears the path for the FDA to approve the vaccine for distribution as early as today that approval could come, meaning that distribution could come as early as this weekend. Um, up to a 6 million doses could start to go out this weekend if we're approved today to healthcare workers and the elderly. I got I, like emotional when this happened last night. So did I. It was like, um, 
I think I've mentioned the movie Balto on this um, <laughs> podcast before. It was like when they were like, we're going to get the medicine yeah. <laughs> to Nome for yeah. all the children. Felt a lot, a lot like that. A lot like that. A lot like that. Even though, you know, every other person I talk to likes to tell me where they are in the New York Times line. It's like, we're all the same, same place. We're all getting it in late summer. Right. I'm not like, I'm in no rush. No rush at all. I don't know why I would rush. Also, CDC Director Robert Redfield reportedly ordered staff to delete an email from a top Trump administration health official asking the agency to change a scientific report on the coronavirus's risk to children. So backstory on this, the author of that report was a woman named Charlotte Kent. I believe this report was specifically tracking the spread at a summer camp um, with a certain age range of children. She basically was on vacation and came back and had an email that was like, please delete this email. And when she went to do it, she saw that it had already been deleted. She learned this was per instructions from Robert Redfield. So Representative James Clyburn became privy to this information, and he wrote a letter asking for some answers. According to Clyburn, parts of the email sent to the CDC said, the CDC tried to report as if once kids get together, there will be spread and this will impact school reopening. Very misleading by CDC and shame on them. And then further alleged that for whatever reason, the CDC was trying to hurt the administration. The report in the end was never itself altered. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The CDC is trying to like actually in good faith measure risk of children spreading coronavirus. And of course the administration makes it about like, some personal vendetta, like it's either trying to personally hurt the president so that schools can't open for any other reason other than to protect the attendees of the school. Right. It's bizarre. And in a statement released Thursday afternoon, um, Redfield said, regarding the email in question, I instructed CDC staff to ignore Dr. Alexander's comments. That's the Trump official. Which that response is decidedly not, I didn't delete the email. So I don't know what's going on here. Clyburn is demanding answers. And I believe Redfield is either scheduled to or being asked to testify further just about the coronavirus response. And this will probably come up. It is possible that he did tell them to ignore the president's advice, but also delete the email. Yes, for sure. So, yeah, for sure. Well, Redfield is... Um, He's about to lose his job. So he's outgoing and we have an incoming CDC head. Something interesting to keep in mind about these Georgia runoffs that I realized this week is the CDC headquarters are in Atlanta. So whoever wins these races, like having, having Georgia senators that give a fuck really matters. It really matters. Yeah. It's, it, plus or that on some ads, maybe. maybe <laughs> right, right. P.S. In case you missed it. We're also see, still seeing 9-11 death toll numbers every day in the United States. I saw a really disturbing headline just before we started that Redfield apparently said we could see those death tolls for 60 days, which is unconscionable. I don't see why those death tolls wouldn't actually get higher. That's true. If you're doing nothing about it. Oh, maybe he means 60 days because that's how many days it will take for there to be two weeks after the Biden administration <laughs> And it takes about two weeks to like right. stop the number, you know, ter- That's like start right. to yeah. turn things around. That's the logic for we're doing nothing. And in 60 days, we'll be two weeks after maybe we did something. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we talked a lot about uh, stimulus talks on yesterday's show. We have no updates. They still appear to be stalling out. And a number of key provisions are set to expire on December 31st. I think the spending deadline is in eight days. 
and nobody cares. Nobody's doing anything about it. I mean, people care, but the people who can put up barriers don't seem to have any interest in helping struggling Americans. Pretty much. Hmm. Meanwhile, the president's friends are openly admitting they would likely die without the premium care they are getting at their privileged position. So, Sammy, what do Donald Trump, Chris Christie, and Rudy Giuliani have in common? They all received remdesivir. They did. And they're all visibly unhealthy men. Oh, yeah. That. (laughs) (laughs) Who managed to survive a disease that's killed 300,000 Americans because they all got that, which is a treatment that some hospitals have to ration out still. They're they're giving it to most people by lottery. Yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Heartbreaking. So let's listen to a clip of Rudy describing his COVID red carpet treatment. I had very mild symptoms. Uh... I think if it wasn't me, I wouldn't have been put in the hospital. Really? Frankly. Yeah. Well, sometimes, I mean, sometimes, sometimes when you're, you know, I, you're a celebrity, they're worried if something happens to you, they're going to examine it more carefully and to do everything right. When I heard this, I just thought that the quote really tracks a when they are when you're a celebrity, they let you do it. Yeah, I mean, this is the oligarchy happening. This is it. This is it. Right. Yeah. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. 
The coup is ongoing. 106 House Republicans have backed a Texas challenge of election results at the Supreme Court. So they did this after Representative Mike Johnson was asked by Trump to personally collect a list of loyalists. This is mob shit. This is wild. Johnson, I mean, all of it is. It's not new, but it still shocks me day to day. Johnson sent an email to congressional Republicans asking them to sign on to allegations of fraud. The letter noted that Trump said he will be anxiously awaiting the final list to review. The list. A list of writers, editors, photographers who have found by me, nurtured by me, and have promised that they will follow me (gasps) when and if ever I choose to leave runway. (laughs) That's definitely the vibe. It's the same (laughs) energy. And 77% of Republicans believe there was significant voter fraud. I mean... (laughs) Things are, what's not escalating is the legal case. Like they've been thrown, 50 of the cases have been thrown away, but something is escalating in ways that still surprise me day to day. Why are they doing this? The fever pitched the opinions. It could be a number of reasons why they're doing it. Um, They want to keep their jobs. They're afraid of what effect he'll have after the White House. It could be that there's money things that are, somehow tied up into their decision. Maybe they just are believers in MAGA. Like maybe they genuinely are like, you know, there, there, there are a number of people who just believe it um, and it's not self-interested or it is self-interested and they believe it. So it's a combination. And the fact that they're, you know, we're all in an echo chamber online and that's where everyone gets their news. And it's also like you have the president riling people up so yeah i mean i would have assumed i would have hoped that after this when trump lost they would feel like loosened from his grip like okay now we can go back to doing the heinous shit we were doing before but without him and it being quite so heinous but maybe maybe after he's not president anymore that will happen okay maybe maybe maybe. to me but then the only logic is that they truly believe that he is the head of the party and he will run again and he yeah he might run again but like think about how much can happen in 4 years how many like x factors there are and it's just yeah he he might say he's running again he might try there but he might be prosecuted or he could get very sick or <laughs> his dementia like could you know who knows mm-hmm. what kind of like mental state he's really in and There's so many things that could happen that we don't even know about. I was happy to hear when we were talking to Sarah Azari earlier this week, she was like, oh, this would absolutely happen before four years from now. Like his path to prison, if it goes, if we carry along it smoothly, he's not running. And that made me feel, that soothed me. Right. Even if it's not prison, it could be any number of wild cards because it's not just him. It's also like maybe someone in the Republican Party will, maybe something will happen within the Republican Party that shifts things who really knows it also really depends who wins the senate because Mm -hmm. i don't need to tell you why (laughs) yeah it really does so one republican who does not believe that there was election fraud is attorney general bill barr so a story came out yesterday that barr has reportedly known at least about at least two justice department investigations involving hunter biden's business dealings he's known about them since last spring 
The Wall Street Journal reports that Barr didn't just know about them, but actively tried to keep them under wraps and to keep them from coming out. And this was despite calls from congressional Republicans to keep pushing him to look into Hunter Biden. Neither case involves Joe Biden. Has Joe Biden anywhere near it? And Hunter Biden says he's following protocol here. Um, it's just, it's funny that he, Barr's like, of course I didn't listen to them. I would never interfere politically in a Justice Department investigation. <laughs> Why do we think he didn't tell? I, I, mean, I mean, I definitely can guess why the story about how he didn't tell is coming to light now. But why didn't he tell? I don't know. I mean, remember when he got really frustrated and he said, Trump is making my job very hard for me. I think maybe Barr maybe finally got to the point where he wanted out, but his only out was Trump losing. Because I don't think there's anything about... Bill Barr has no scruples. He has no standards. Anything he does is self-interested. Right. I guess maybe a few weeks ago we talked about how, like, it might be at this point for Bill Barr that that Trump is not helpful for his ends anymore and that he maybe can see down the line how this is damaging. Like, maybe we see eye to eye on the fact that Trump is actually ultimately bad for the Republicans, even though many of them don't see that for themselves. Right. I mean, he's not a stupid man. No, he's not. But but I think, and, and we were talking about this this morning, that this is going to be part of a couple years at least of uh, reputation laundering of these <laughs> officials trying to scrub themselves and absolve themselves. I mean, Kellyanne, Kellyanne Conway has a book deal now, and she says she's going to, to, to take you behind the curtain. She promises really juicy stories because she must have to get the... I literally only want to hear about advance. what's happening in her marriage. Don't care about the other stuff at all. <gasps> maybe she maybe she did offer to well, pull the curtain back on that too. If I were the publisher, that's what I would need offered. Yeah. I also saw uh, very tragically Brandon Bernard, the federal government, executed him last night despite a real strong last-minute push from advocates and celebrities. Uh, last minute, did you see that Kenneth Starr and Alan Dershowitz I signed did. on? Yeah. That was random. That was, yeah, clearly they're very, very skillful lawyers, but I was surprised to see that too. Right. I mean, the death penalty just feels so barbaric and ancient. Yes. On its own. And then there's something, I mean, compounded by the fact that the Trump administration is going to execute somebody else today, or the federal government is going to execute somebody else today, and the administration has fast-tracked a number of executions to happen before inauguration. I don't know. Oh, it's just a, it's such a, I don't want to say it's a fitting way for this administration to end because that's callous and terrible, but it's like they do want to cause as much cruelty and destruction on the way out the door as possible. Right. Yeah, they do. I mean, they're... Yeah, they're pretty evil. I think we figured out. <laughs> yeah. We're going to take a break and we will be back shortly with Shaniqua McClendon, the political director at Crooked Media. We are back as promised with Shaniqua McClendon, the political director at Crooked Media. Thank you so much for joining us. Happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. We are asked by our audience so much, what can I do to help in these Georgia runoffs? I don't live in Georgia or even people that live in Georgia. And I generally tell people, go check out Vote Save America and Adopt a State. Uh, but we thought, let's remove the barrier and bring you on to talk directly about what options you guys have available. So 
These races are about three weeks away. Mm -hmm. um, our audience, as I said, is super eager to get involved, but they don't all live in Georgia. I'm sure they're familiar with the Adopt-A-State efforts um, the past year with Crooked Media and Vote Save America, but I'm curious how you've adapted this for the Georgia runoff specifically. Yeah, um, so we, it's, it's crazy because I really thought on November 3rd, we had to wait a little while to get the election results, but I thought, that's it. Yes, we'll just keep moving forward, but then we did not flip the Senate, and not only did we not flip the Senate, but now there are specifically the number of seats we need to flip the Senate <laughs> uh, in, in Georgia. Um, so, you know, we pretty much, we kind of evaluated very quickly um, what really worked in our Adopt-A-State program for the November election. And the things that we saw were that, you know, we did a pretty good job raising money. We did a pretty good job getting volunteers into really specific volunteer opportunities and bringing attention to what was happening in battleground states. So we pretty much said, we'll do that again. But we had a lot less time to get it together for our larger program. We started talking to organizations in 2019. For this, um, you know, Georgia, after the, after the election, they have recounts. Um, they also have a vote carrying prop, uh, kind of three days to um, cure people's ballots. So everyone was still busy when I was trying to talk to them about, you know, what we need help with. Um, but pretty, the biggest change I would say is we are, we're still raising money for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, but we're not, not as aggressively as we are for grassroots organizations. You know, we raised money for grassroots organizations uh, for the November election, and we just saw that bear so much fruit. And while tons of people are donating to the candidates, we realize that we also need to be funneling some money um, into these organizations. Though, especially in Georgia, these organizations are why Joe Biden was able to flip Georgia to begin with. And so it seems pretty clear that we should keep making investments there. Um, and so one thing that was really great, given the short timeline, is when I finally was able to chat with folks in Georgia, they are so organized. <laughs> we did not. It was just kind of like, oh, we don't have to ask any questions. It's wow. just, you know, where can we send volunteers and, and money? Um, because they had a place for all of it to go. So that's the um, biggest change. Um, we are heavily emphasizing, I think a bit more than we did for the November election, the importance of really investing in grassroots organizations. Uh, the other thing I'll say is, before we were sending out one email a week with a call to action, and now we are doing two emails a week. Um, again, you just said we only have three weeks into the election. And so on top of, you you know, typically you can raise money and get that into people's hands so that they can plan for it and then get the volunteers in there, um, hire staff, whatever they need to do. But basically you had both happening at the same time. So. On Tuesdays, we typically send out um, a fundraising ask for people who are in a place to give. And then on Thursdays, we send out a volunteer ask. And so we're pushing financial resources and people resources into the organization at the same time. So they can just kind of build up all the work that's happening. Well, that's great. You take away uh, people's need to make a decision if you're sending, okay, here's, here's money day and here's help day. Yep. How did you ultimately select the organizations that you chose to support? Yeah, so we, um, one of our partners from our November election, um, they, we helped them raise, um, I think almost a million dollars and they were still a little bit left over and they asked, you know, can we shift this funding over to Georgia since the Senate races are going on? And then I thought, well, you all have helped us. They helped us identify a lot of grassroots organizations for November. I was like, who should we be talking to in November? So we got connected with America Votes 
And America Votes is kind of like an umbrella organization that works with local grassroots organizations um, throughout Georgia. And so we hopped on with them and they told us about the different groups that they were working with, what those groups do, and the communities that they were trying to turn out. So really we kind of uh, connected with America Votes and they had uh, 14 organizations that they identified that would be good for us to support. And that was kind of how we decided on the groups. Um, again, what's really important for the program is to rely on the expertise and guidance and knowledge of the people on the ground. And we that's what we did uh, by taking our lead from America Votes. And so some of the organizations that were helping support through that um, are uh, Black Voters Matter, the Asian American Advocacy Fund, uh, Poder Latinx. Um, there's 14 groups in total. We've, we've raised about, we've raised a million dollars for those 14 groups. Wow. Um, and the reason, again, it's so important, America Votes knows what, you know, the budgets are of each, each of these groups, how many volunteers they can take. You know, we don't want to send a thousand volunteers to a really small organization. And we don't want to send $600,000 to an organization that will not have, um, you know, enough people to actually work with that money. So we send the volunteers and uh, money into America Votes, and then they can kind of assess what's happening across all of the organizations and allocate resources in, in that way. So, um, but after we hit a million, we added one more group, Working America. And so they are um, a subsidiary. I'm not sure if that's the right term, but um, a, a part of the AFL-CIO. And they are doing organizing in Georgia and, you know, making sure to turn out people who maybe didn't vote in November um, and talking to them about the importance of this Senate election and trying to trying to bring them in. So um, since we've switched over to having, so now we're raising for both of those organizations. Um, I think we're at maybe $1.2 million. So we'll continue to raise into there. Yeah, it's so interesting because as I've sort of read some postmortems on what went wrong in other states, it really looks like it could have been, especially maybe in Florida, a failure to really communicate with the groups on the ground who know the voters and know the coalitions that are possible there and what people need to hear. And it seems like Georgia, by delivering a victory for Joe Biden, showed that that is really the route to success here. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, something that's been important for me since coming to Crooked and, you know, standing up um, Vote Save America is that we not, you know, something you will hear from people on the ground all the time is, oh, they sent the D.C. folks and they're just like telling us what to do, but they, they yeah. come here. They don't understand how it works here. And so I was, uh, it was really important to me to make sure that we talk to people who lived in the States and were doing this work, um, you know, and just listen to what they thought was best. And if, if, if I ever spoke to an organization and I felt like the strategy didn't make sense, instead of agreeing to work with them and say, hey, this is how you do it, you just, you know, don't work with that group. You find a group yeah. that is doing the work that, um, you know, you think makes sense and you invest in that. So I think we've done a good job of um, supporting those organizations. Um, you know, we, we support candidates. Campaigns have to be able to run. Uh, but those things have to go together. You can't have one without the other. And as you just said, Georgia was a perfect example of that. So what do you think needs to happen messaging-wise for Democrats to be able to win this race? Are you hearing that there's any particular message that is resonating with some or multiple groups? Yeah, you know, something that is really healthcare. So I'm from North Carolina. Um, Georgia obviously flipped <laughs> before North Carolina. Um, but I think something that both states have dealt with are populations who need access to healthcare, but people in government who have refused to provide that access. So both states have not expanded Medicaid 
um, under the Affordable Care Act. And in Georgia, actually, Brian Kemp managed to get some last minute approval uh, by the Trump administration to basically not have uh, Medicaid, like healthcare exchanges through the Affordable Care Act. They are doing this like private exchange that is going to cover less people than Medicaid expansion would. And it's basically like a privatized version of Medicaid expansion, but that's obviously going to cost a lot more. That sounds just like the worst Frankenstein thing. Uh, Oh, God. Um, And so, you know, you have that. They haven't expanded Medicaid or expanded Medicaid, but you also have two senators who um, have not really advocated for the people of Georgia when it comes to coronavirus and the impact that it's having there. Um, And we know that we're seeing the impact it's having in dense areas, but especially as it starts to hit rural areas who don't have as um, easy access to to hospitals um, because a lot of rural hospitals close in states that don't expand Medicaid. Um, I think that that is something that um, both of the candidates are focusing on and I, I don't know how this works out so perfectly that you have like two races in Georgia and both of the Republican candidates are like corrupt. And yeah. so um, John Ossoff and uh, Raphael Warnock also get to lean into that. And corruption is bad with elected officials point blank, but especially thinking about us being in the middle of a pandemic and then choosing to really lean into their corruptness then to, to benefit off of a pandemic that's ravaging the state. Um, those are some of the things that um, the Democratic candidates can point to to really show uh, what's at stake. And what's kind of overlaying all of that is literally, if these two men win, this, win their election, control of the Senate will go to Democrats. And so that's not just, you know, we can, Mitch McConnell won't be in charge of who's being uh, confirmed to the different judiciary seats, including the Supreme Court. But literally, we are watching unfold. Sorry, I'm pointing to my TV because that's where the news is. Um, but, you know, we are seeing... Mitch is just right over there. Yeah. <laughs> that's where she sees him. Yeah. Um, we're seeing, like, um, this fight about um, COVID relief. And Mitch McConnell is saying, like, I want to protect corporations. And, you know, the Democrats are saying we want to provide state and local government funding because they've depleted their budgets responding to something the federal government should have been responding to. Um, and, and you know, and we don't want to provide um, relief checks to, to people this time. And so that is literally what's in front of all of us. And these two races not only give Democrats more votes to vote for those things, but it actually gives, could give them control um, of the Senate to, to, to literally put money in people's pockets so that we can hopefully all make it um, until vaccines are widely available. Yeah. I'm from North Carolina too. And I'm convinced from that outcome that we just shouldn't put men up anymore because. That that is what I have been telling so many people. Really? (laughs) As soon as that, as soon as that sexting story came out, I was like, this is why you don't run men, you know? Yes. (laughs) uh, It's so frustrating seeing in 2008, I really thought I really was sure. I mean, it's hard. I mean, North Carolina is one of those places where you can go from county to county and from area to area and that you can really end up in an echo. People don't, people are surprised. I'm like, there are progressive echo chambers in North Carolina, but there absolutely are. And I think I was getting my information from there and I was, I mean, the margins closed, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely a little bitter at, at Cal. Yeah. I, same. <laughs> <laughs> well, now we're, now we are, you know, reaping the results of that by still having to fight for the Senate on, um, until January. That has been my kind of narrative around all of this. Like 
Yeah, and I, I used to work for Kay Hagan, so my, like, disgust for Tom Tillis is just, like, at a thousand, and so I'm really <laughs> mad that he's still a senator. I know. But, you know, we are all working so hard now to get these two Georgia seats because of races like Cal Cunningham's that we've yeah. So true. What do you think about um, the absence of Donald Trump in this election and maybe even some of the, you know, weird X factors he's thrown in by saying, by trying to undermine the election. Yeah, it's so weird that they're like, <laughs> they're like bringing him in now to try to do stuff, but he's still doing what Trump does, which is like, he'll say the one line, you got to elect Kelly and David, and now I'm going to go on this whole rant and your governor <laughs> is like a fraud and he's not doing what he needs to do. Um, and kind of undermining the entire thing. And so it's, I would not want to have the job of trying to figure out strategically how you fit Donald Trump into a Republican victory. Um, but I think without <laughs> yeah. him on the ballot, I, without him on the ballot, I honestly think, so we saw, you know, a surge on both sides um, throughout the country. And in some places like Georgia, it was enough of a surge for Democrats. And I think you had a lot of um, ticket splitters uh, who voted for Joe Biden and then voted for Republicans. But I think, I, I think a lot of the people that they have convinced um, that this whole system uh, and the November 3rd election was a fraud and was rigged, I don't agree with them, but I understand the thinking that if that was rigged, like, why would I come participate in this other one? Like, you can't tell people two things that this one is rigged, but this one will be real, you know, if we right. take control of the Senate. And so I do think, I think a small percentage of um, Trump voters will will kind of continue with that line of thinking and not participate. Um, and when you think about how much uh, Joe Biden won by, like that could be enough to decide uh, the outcome of the election. But you also have people who only showed up because Trump was on the ballot. You know, maybe they don't even care that it's, you know, being called a, a fraudulent election. They only showed up because their guy was on the ballot. And so I think some of those folks are going to stay home. Um, before I thought there might be a contingent of voters who just didn't realize you know, these runoffs were happening, but all the ads, all the money, I think it's pretty impossible for people to not know that it's happening. Um, but you also, I think you'll see more enthusiasm on the Democratic side. And with Trump gone, I think you'll see um, less enthusiasm. So, but also have to think about the fact that, you know, John Ossoff didn't actually get more votes than, than David Perdue. So he's going to have to close a gap. And the Democratic candidates running in the special election did not get more votes than the Republican uh, candidate. So, you know, there's still work to be done. Um, and it will ultimately come down to who turns out. But um, the last thing I'll say is vote by mail worked really well for Democrats. Um, and the thing that probably keeps people from participating in runoffs because they're typically around the holidays is like, I'm staying home. I don't want to deal with that. But because vote by mail has, you know, very quickly, we'll see if it continues, but it seems like it's become a normal part of voting now. Uh, I think that that will benefit Democrats um, a lot in this runoff. Do you worry about ticket splitting in this instance at all? No, no. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but I don't. I think that the concern there is that people, Republicans who felt like I have to vote for Joe Biden because Trump is just bananas, um, but then said, but I just voted for a Democrat, so I have to vote for Republicans um, down the rest of the ticket. Those people are still going to vote for Republicans down the rest of the ticket. And so that is one um, concern because, again, Joe Biden did win Georgia and Democrats down ballot did not 
you know, outperform him or perform as well as him. So, yeah, we'll have to see. Those folks are actually a concern for me um, because they're not splitting the ticket this time. Um, because right. David and Kelly are the kind of Republicans they're okay voting for. Sounds like a wedding hashtag, David and Kelly. <laughs> it really does. Yeah. It really does. So basic. Yeah. So where can people learn more about Adopt Georgia and get involved and make sure they're hearing from you? Absolutely. So um, you can go to votesaveamerica.com slash adopt. You can sign up to Adopt Georgia there. But I will say, as we're getting closer to Election Day, we're going to really be focusing on our volunteer page. So that's votesaveamerica.com slash volunteer. Uh, and then you don't even have to sign up to get the emails. You can just see what's on that page and we'll be uh, keeping it populated with the most up-to-date volunteer opportunities. Uh, and there's also one up there now. Um, I mean, people probably should have signed up for it, um, <laughs> put it out, um, but I think there's still time to sign up for it. We have an America Votes volunteer sign up. And so you kind of fill out, you know, information. Do you want to come to Georgia? Do you want to... Um, volunteer remotely, you know, kind of what you're interested in. They take that information and match you to an organization that can, you know, take in whatever your constraints or whatever interests you have and, and pair you with an organization to volunteer with. So um, there's tons to do. Um, and those are the two sites uh, that people can go to to find it. Awesome. And I know I got nothing but time. So <laughs> Yeah, at this point, it's just yeah brutal. signing up for lots. We'll we'll include those uh, swipe ups on our Instagram plenty between now and January fifth. Thank you so much for your time, Shaniqua. Until the end of democracy, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage, and this is the Betches Sub Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to SUP at Betches.com. Betches.